Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. On today's episode, we're joined by Ben from Canna Outdoors, and we discuss um, all the stuff he's got going on with his filming. And guys, if you haven't checked out Ben Potter's films, then you need to check him out. Um, he's got stuff like The Linguist, he's got the Dr. Duck films, um, 25 Horse, and a slew of other ones. Just great, great, great cinematic films about the outdoors. And if you haven't checked them out, you're really missing out. A couple quick reminders before we jump right into the podcast. You can find all my stuff at Duck and Chronicles on YouTube. You can find all of Elliot's stuff at Free Freelance Duck Hunting on YouTube. And uh, you can find us on Facebook at Fellowship of the Duck Gun, where we continue discussing, discussing waterfowl content afterwards. So anyways, without further ado, let's jump into the podcast. Hey. 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 <laughs> How's it going, man? I've been filibustering. We did it. Oh my gosh! Connected. Wow. That was that was something. I'm sorry. I'm usually a little bit more tech savvy than that, but I apologize for that. That's all right. Yeah, we've had some problems with some people before. Uh, yeah. All right. I'm glad I'm not the only problem on the block. No, just you and my dad. So you're in. Uh, yeah, that's usually yeah. the problem I have. Discord doesn't make it easy. They, you have to like get in the group, and then you have to be friends, and then you can add people yeah. like to a group call. So, got it. Unfortunately, got it. we got to jump through the hoops. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. It must all be a lot nicer not. weather there than it is here. You're sitting outside. It's hot. Here. It's man. It's nice right now. It's probably about seventy, I think. So, it's pretty nice. Uh, yeah, it'll get dark in probably in a couple hours, and and uh yeah so i'm just uh watching my little boy uh here he's playing so waiting for my wife to get home she's supposed to be home an hour ago so i don't know what's going on <laughs> is that is that uh your only child or you have more uh this is it yeah just uh, he's almost two so um yeah man it's great so yeah have fun with this dude that's a cool age isn't it awesome yeah i mean he's uh he's talking you know a decent amount now <laughs> and um he's awesome man he's just uh, a go-getter so you know we're you fun go. fun being parents but yeah. anyway One of the best days of my life ever was when my son was about that age i took the day off work and he and i were just hanging out in my bedroom he was on the bed with me and i just the sun was coming through the windows and he was really starting to talk and there was just something about that moment in time that just uh-huh. you know you have one of those moments that you just never ever forget yeah it, yeah. it just all poured on me and hit me the love that wow. I this thing and man love every second of that two-year-old phase that's cute isn't that's it? <laughs> that's awesome yeah it's great and i think it's just getting better and better all the time you know we i think we've got a, a good one like he's he has fun and uh you know he's eats good sleeps pretty good i mean i think we got an easy one so i think the next one's gonna be a hellraiser so uh you know we'll <laughs> yeah. see, what, see what happens there jordan uh, got yeah switched on mine versus ben's okay title. oh yeah i gotcha we're still sort yeah. of, you know, this podcast, the main thing we want to do with this podcast is the audio, but we want to try to do a live stream too. So the two things kind of 
Oh man, a little bit make it rough sometimes to start. Nice. Oh, we're live streaming right now, huh? Yeah, yeah live stream on YouTube oh, right now. <laughs> oh heck yeah, this is embarrassing. I look like a mess. <laughs> no, 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 it's us. We're the ones that look like a mess. <laughs> yeah, like uh, anyway, yeah, it's been been a busy season. It's a season where I'm sitting in front of a computer a lot, you know, and I'm getting excited for the upcoming season and strategizing and yeah seeing what's going to happen this year so awesome uh, but yeah so. yeah so this is the this, this is the first time that all three of us are meeting actually so um i'm jordan from uh duck gun chronicles on youtube that's elliot from freelance duck hunting and our guest tonight guys is ben potter from can outdoors awesome good so to yeah, meet you guys yeah nice yeah, to meet you too glad to meet you too uh we appreciate you coming on with us <laughs> yeah so, no it's it's a pleasure Yep, always great to talk about duck hunting off season. So, <laughs> yeah, it's just any any bit of help we can get with the duck depression is good. So, I'm all yep. about these counseling sessions. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. <laughs> that's a good good name for him. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you want to go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm located here in California, and uh, I kind of grew up in Northern California, a little town called Brentwood. And, uh, my dad, you know, kind of got into waterfowling in the sixties. Um, and I think he was in high school and he kind of got, his dad didn't hunt, but, uh, he met a guy in high school that was a pretty avid waterfowler. And so they were hunting in Sacramento Valley and, uh, Northern California far, you know, way up North, uh, into Oregon a bit. And yeah, he just got bit by the bug. And so I think, my first duck hunt, I was, I think I was three. And, um, I, I still can remember that first day that, that lab bringing a mallard back. And, uh, I just remember that lab's head being about <laughs> as big as, I mean, twice the size of me, you know, and just holding that duck and, you know, bringing it in. I was just amazed, you know, just being, you know, it was the best, best times watching my dad. This thing, you know, and he was just like my hero watching him duck hunt and getting hold of the dead ducks and you know kind of a weird thing i guess for a three-year-old to be excited about but you know that that's just how i grew up and uh so um yeah man i got i think uh, i remember killing my first honker with a 20 uh a single shot 20 gauge um way up in uh north of this town called alturas and that was a, an amazing moment with this little dinky gun and you know, just, I don't I think I was 10 or nine or 10, something like that. And, uh, yeah, man, I just been, so anyway, I've just like kind of been bit by that bug at an early age and, um, you know, hunting Northern California, there's just, there's a lot of surprisingly, I mean, a lot of the folks I meet out in the South and the East coast and, you know, don't really uh, seem to realize that how much waterfowling goes on, you know, in, in California in the Pacific flyway. And, um, it's busy and crowded like everywhere else you know and a lot you know all the kind of grew up hunting uh refuges and um different public lands that you know get pretty busy um but you know there's a lot of ducks to get after you know you just just willing to work for it and uh, so that was yeah that was always super fun and um you know so i kind of with what i do i've always you know when i was in college i started a small business you know capturing doing small films and short films like local work and um you know nothing in the outdoor world and then I think I think it was around 2012 that I 
decided like I'm going to bring, start bringing my camera and capturing some of the hunting that I'm doing, you know, and it started very small, like GoPro. And I think on my website, you can still see this like early GoPro uh, cut that I did with just a bunch of random footage from a season, you know, and um, you know, that I think lit like a new fire in me for, you know, filmmaking photography to, um, I want to say this was like early days of Instagram or maybe pre Instagram. I don't know. I can't remember. So it wasn't really, there wasn't really a scene yet, you know, in the, where you've seen like all the talent out there, um, across the country. And it was just cool to kind of get after there and capture what I loved about, you know, getting in the field, you know? And, um, so that, I think just starting putting some work out there and, and reaching out to some, some different, you know, uh, clients that I wanted to work for and trying to build some relationships and share, share what I'm about, you know, one thing led to another. And, and, uh, and so up to this point, I've had some, some pretty cool opportunities to get after, uh, capturing some stories for, you know, different companies and, um, organizations and, and sometimes just for myself, you know? Um, and, and so, um, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of a summary of the last, you know, 34 years of my life. So, <laughs> yeah. so is, is Canna your full-time profession then? Yeah. Yeah. So with, with a little bit more. Yeah, sure. So with that brand, uh, we have actually, so in, in this, where I live here in San Luis Obispo, California, central coast. So we're about, um, 10 miles from the ocean, uh, pretty much smack dab between Los Angeles and, and San Francisco. Um, so it's just a little college town. It's kind of where I, I went to school and then stayed here and met my wife here. And yeah, so we, this is where we are and, uh, started the business here and it just kind of made sense to stay here as far as location wise to, you know, working all over California and that kind of stuff. But there's, uh, we have four different branches to, uh, the business where we do, we have, um, a wedding branch where we shoot, shoot weddings and we have a team that does that. Um, we have, uh, the, uh, it's called con actually we pronounce it Kana, but, uh, you can call it whatever you want. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, we have a Kana creative branch where we just kind of, we have a, just, uh, that's just a little bit of everyone. We work for, uh, breweries and pro cycling companies and power tool companies and, I mean, we just did a thing for some uh, a local architect recently. I mean, that's really a, a little bit of everything. And then, um, and we have a, a, also another branch called Halle Project, and that's a nonprofit branch where we kind of do films for ministries and organizations, NGOs, whatever we feel like. You know, different different kind of needs reach out for for films, and that goes all over the world. Um, and so we have a, a guy dedicated to that and that's his niche. Um, and then obviously, you know, con outdoors. So it's kind of the four parts that make up kind of what we do. Oh, and my son might've just disappeared, but um, <laughs> uh, I'm just going to walk. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of a little bit about, you know, the different parts of what we do and yeah. So. How, how many people work at? Uh, there are five, five of us that are um, pretty much, full time and so and then we have a bunch of contractors that we kind of bring on as needed to come up and yeah so that's really really cool that's it's yeah very, very impressive what you built 
thing. So are you, yeah, uh, I mean, we're, we don't want to pretend to be anything gigantic. You know, we, we really just have just exactly what, what we need at this point, you know, to create the films that we do. And yeah. And so, you're doing it on your own terms, right? Yeah, yeah. And that, that, I mean, that's I think it. that's that's the, the <laughs> that's the beauty of, I mean, what I think, you know, we've, we've maybe sacrificed the, some of the securities of working for a larger organization. But um, I think there's something about getting to decide, you know, what you want to be about and the, having that freedom to um, say, yeah, I'm going to give this a try. You know, it's cool when I, I hear from a lot of different younger guys or, you know, that are like ambitious and, you know, want to get after the outdoor industry or different things. And they're like, I'm trying to get a client and help, you know, what do you do to like kind of p- pitch something and get it out there? And it's, I'm always just like, man, just start doing it, you know, just start making something that you're passionate about right now. And, and um, I think that's just the kind of work that speaks loudest and the kind of stuff I'm, I'm most uh, drawn to is, is when I see someone really just doing something they're passionate about. And it's not just uh, when, you know, a check comes in, in the door, you know, and it gets in the mail, but um you know, obviously we all got to pay our bills and, and our, our time is, uh, you know, important and all that. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a real blessing to get to kind of work for yourself and, and manage your own schedule, you know? So, yeah. So were, how much were you, uh, were you like completely hands-on with the Dr. Duck and the, uh, the, Oh yeah. Yeah. hundred percent hands-on. I mean, we were, um, it's funny with, with Dennis, um, I don't know if you've had a chance to talk with him, but, um, he, you know, I remember it was er- early days of Instagram and all that. And that, it was like, for me, it's so, it's so funny. It was only like two, three, four years ago. I feel like that we, it was like this, but I remember just looking at like guys holding up a stringer of birds and getting so pumped, you know, like, wow, I got to hunt with those guys. Like they're killing, you know, <laughs> I'm coming out of the field with like a couple teal on a gadwall. And they're just holding all green. I'm like, where the freak are they? And at that point, I think I hadn't yet hunted, you know, anywhere in the South. I've never experienced a timber. You know, you see these pictures and you just kind of like, it's a big question mark. Like, what is that? You know, what kind of duck hunting is that? And um, being on the West Coast, you know, it doesn't, doesn't really, you don't really know what to make of it. And, uh, but somehow I came across Dennis's feed, uh, you know, Dr. Duck. I, I love the name. I thought that was awesome. And, uh, oh, is that your dog? Nice. Yeah. I love it. Good. I got the baby in the background. You have the dog. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, uh, yeah. And so, um, came across his feet and it was just like, this guy's awesome. He's working hard. You know, there's funny how you can kind of like, you can kind of tell when someone's the real deal or if they're just, um, really wealthy. <laughs> and, uh, and so in, yeah, I guess it was cool to see, you know, nothing against the guys that, that have the ability to, to, you know, pay for real nice hunts. I mean, if I had had the funds, the, the funds, I would do that too. Um, but, you know, I saw this dude, Dennis, just, you know, looked like he worked real hard for it. And that was inspiring. And so I just, I think I sent him a message or just commented like, hey, man, it'd be cool to, uh, this is what I do. It'd be fun to make, make something with you one day. And um, yeah, and so that one thing led to another. And then he you know, ended up getting out to Texas and, and joining them and making Dr. Duck and, um, you know, had thrown the idea at a few brands to see if they want to support it. And, and, um, yeah, it turned out to be a pretty fun film and, you know, met some cool guys through it and got to experience Timber for the first time. That was, that was awesome. Um, yeah. So, you know, he was, uh, 
he is, he is still a great guy to, you know, inspiring and, you know, works hard for it. And yeah. So. Yeah. I think, uh, but, definitely you can tell your, your passion for it through those films, like hands down, yeah. you know, the Dr. Duck films and, uh, like the linguist film, like those are some of cool. the best I've ever seen <laughs> wow, in the outdoor industry. I really appreciate that. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, that's one thing I think is, cool about this day is you really it's kind of humbling you're like wow man there's a lot of talent out here and you know there's a lot of guys you know it's it's there's a lot of guys that have talent that I don't think they realize how good they really are you know and so I've had I've had opportunities to make to tell some pretty cool stories and um part of it is just getting to work with great people you know I mean yeah you, you know you work your ass off and you work hard in the field and do everything you can to capture every moment to the best of your ability, you know, and that's what's what I think I love about capturing the outdoors is you're working with wildlife, you're working with elements, with weather, you know, there's just so many things that are fighting against you to versus a staged commercial shoot where you can control everything. Um, I think that's what kind of has drawn me to kept me filming this kind of stuff is because it's, it's a, I don't know how to describe it it's just wild, you know, it's unpredictable. And, um, yeah. So that, that kind of thing I think is, is fun, you know, fun to take on those challenges. Um, you know, especially with like things like the linguist, you know, we, there was a hunt we did that's really, honestly, I'm trying to think right now. I don't even think it really made any of the cut in the actual finished, finished film, but we did a hunt with, um, a guy named uh, Randy Newberg. And uh, he has a TV show and really cool guy. And um, and with, with Corey Jacobson as well, we're down in New Mexico. And, man, it was just the hardest hunt. We I think we hunted or hiked 89 miles in Ooh, six and a half days or seven days almost. And it was so brutal. Like, we were – my knees – were it, it, that place, man, I don't know if I ever want to go back to New Mexico. It's just, <laughs> kick, it's just kicking bowling balls you know for miles and miles and the death deathly heat and we saw like a, yeah, a handful of elk but nothing was really for some reason anyway it it turned out to be just uh totally brutal but those are the moments you look back and i don't know for some reason you're like that was awesome you know at least we tried you know and put ourselves out there to try to capture some moments and we had we captured one bull coming in but um yeah we just didn't end up making a cut you know we didn't have wasn't the best of the best so um video that i watched today that i really loved it was unhooked Uh, oh cool cool yeah i saw that today here's what i loved about that so much well being from kansas you know i've I've been to the ocean a couple Uh times but i don't really have any real experience with it and when we go hunting or camping our our whole goal is to go as far away from everyone as possible and, you know, we'll shoot a limit of ducks and we'll build a little fire. And the whole point is just to be completely alone. And there was a moment in that video when you guys actually cooked on the boat. And there were yeah. some discussions about leaving everything behind. And at the, I was like, I just connected to it. Yeah. So I was like, that's yeah. just how I feel on a, but mm-hmm. on a much more momentous stage. I mean, the ocean is such a powerful yeah. right. thing that that just that moment that you guys were cooking on the boat was yeah. a connection to me. That uh-huh. I'm like, oh, this is great. This is yeah, great. that's cool. I mean, I'm glad you enjoyed that one. It, we we really love that film, and 
it we did i don't know for whatever reason you know some films kind of seem like they get out there and go the distance and some they don't you know and they don't really catch on and that's fine you know at the end of the day you hopefully you're people are you know hopefully we're making our, our films for ourselves first and foremost you know because we we love the opportunity uh and so it's cool to hear that you like that one because we just had so much fun getting there's these islands that are um they're about 10 miles off off the mainland here and uh i could be wrong about that i think maybe they're closer but um they're called the channel islands and just a really cool it feels like you're in another country you know it's one of those places like the clarity in the water is a whole different thing um you know on that trip i mean spearfishing is like in my opinion just one of the hardest hunting opportunities you can have it's you know you're holding your breath it's you're out of your element you know you're in like you know i was out spearfishing just a few weeks ago and the visibility was pretty bad and i'm diving down through the kelp and just right under me goes a uh, a little leopard shark you know and they're fairly harmless but you know just like here's the five foot animal that this is his home yeah. and i'm just you know I, I don't know it's just little moments like that are really humbling you know you kind of like realize geez I, i'm not really supposed to be here but i'm i'm trying to to accomplish you know i'm trying to hunt these animals but at the same time i'm probably being hunted to some extent as well you know and uh you know there was uh yeah anyway there's a lot of moments spearfishing and that and by no means am i a uh, professional or even amateur i mean i'm pretty pretty green to spearfishing but um we've definitely had some cool moments you know but you guys have great that. whites there don't you have great whites in that area oh yeah oh yeah definitely yeah <laughs> Does that not go through your mind when you're doing that oh yeah it does i mean i think the times when it when it uh when it really kind of works on you is when the visibility isn't very good because that the, you know the the white sharks are real they're smart you know um the part if they can see you they're not going to mess with you but if if they don't if if they're sensing something and they confuse you with a, as a seal then that's where the accidents happen and where people get bit and um there was a lady in like just there's this little little um cove that's you know about 10 minutes from here and this lady i guess every day would go swimming with these seals out in this bay and it's it's a known like um uh i don't know what do you call it, it would it be it's, it's just a known cove to have uh great whites and uh where they just migrate through and they kind of rest there for a while and um anyway she she would do this every single day it was like her tradition and just a day she was out in the water one day with um you know just pretty bad visibility and sure enough man she got nailed and um and ended up dying it's kind of sad but um that was several years ago in our coast but i think you just you know you always try to dive with a friend and watch each other and you know um anyway yeah and very we have fears you deal with the fears with like you deal with the fears based on like percentages like well i know this only happens this amount of time is that how you'd mentally deal with it <laughs> yeah i think I'm trying to think how I deal with it. I think part of it maybe just be uh, just probably not the best way to deal with it, ignoring it, ignoring yeah. the fear, the factor Ign of it. Ignorance you know, is it might be so. the same way. It might be the same way. You know, we did some, we were bow hunting in Wyoming a few years ago and in an area where there's a lot of grizzlies and same thing, you know, you're kind of like, I'm walking around with a little stick 
and a string and or i was i was having kodiak last october that's probably a better example uh you know and there's just the, the kodiak brown bears you know the i think they're the biggest bear in the world and um Man, I'll tell you what, we there was one moment that really struck me. I think we hunted seven days, we're bow hunting for just um the sick of black tailed deer and and uh we probably saw about forty bears over that seven day period, you know, just from a distance, you know, nothing really close, but there was this one moment that hit me where we were um working up this ridge line and got on the spine of this mountain and looking down on these deer and um it was rip ripping wind and as we're kind of my friend Joel stayed on one side and I was working around the other side of this ridge and as I'm kind of sliding on my butt down to uh you know get this little I don't know this little bank and to get to get close to these deer I look to my right and I see a couple hundred yards off I mean two maybe two to three hundred yards away I see two uh boars fighting on their hind legs and there was three cubs and a sow and I think there was a carcass over there or something. And, um, dude, it just put chills down my spine. I mean, I was at that moment, I was like, I'm just not supposed to be here at all. Like <laughs> they, this is their realm. I mean, this is where they, they rule. And, um, and then, you know, so I sat tight and all I had, and it's ripping windy. It's like 30, 40 mile per hour. I had bear spray in my little, you know, pouch and in my bow. And, and then, uh, my uh, friend Joel had the 44 mag and so, and he was a couple hundred yards away. And so I'm laying there and then the cubs started running up to the top of the spine and I just watched them. I thought they would go up and over. And then the cubs took a hard right turn my direction and are running along the spine. It kind of bowls around to where I was. And, uh, and so I was just like, hell no, I'm out of here. And uh, I slipped over this bank and just, booked it back to where Joel was. I know you're not supposed to run, but uh, it's just all I could think of doing and uh, got back and I was like, bears, you know, and he's like, yeah, I see him. I'm like, no, we're, we're out, man. Like, we're done here. We're done on this mountain. You know, I think, you know, yes. If I was alone, I mean, I, it's cool to see when guys like go get, you know, I hear um, it's, it's pretty, I'm sure it's real fun to get into places like that and be by yourself and experience a moment like that but i don't know i it was nice knowing i had a buddy with me with a gun and and uh same thing with spearfishing you know having someone watching your back and um keeping an eye out you know it's just you know if anything i mean when we were filming unhooked this is it's gonna make me sound like a freaking idiot but we were filming unhooked uh oh I lose you. Okay, I'm back. Oh, there you're back. I'm back. Okay, sorry about that. Um, my friend Dane was um, uh, we had, we were on the sailboat and he had spotted a um, hammerhead shark that was fairly close to our boat, and so he was like, "Man, this would be the coolest footage if we could get shots of this hammerhead. You hardly ever see him in this area, and uh, you know it was kind of an El Nino year, so a lot of there were marlins and just fish you don't usually see in this area up where we were. And so we got in a little dinghy and started, tried to get close to uh, uh, this fish to get some underwater shots. And he told me he would hold the spear gun out in front of me to, in case it came at us. And anyways, <laughs> stupid. it ended up, 
the, the, the hammerhead ended up kind of veering away. Thank God. So it's just a stupid idea in the moment. You're like, gosh, the footage would be so insane, you know? And, awesome. uh, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, how much, uh, how, how much hunting would you say you do beyond like, or are you filming like all the time when you're hunting or kind of what's your split on that? Yeah. Um, you know, when, when I have a client, you know, paying me to do something, you know, create a piece for them. I mean, I'm very rarely, I mean, hunting at all. I mean, there was that, I was actually out in Kansas. Uh, we were filming for a piece of film we have coming out uh, in July. Um, and, you know, it was a real nice place and um, getting some footage and, you know, I was just all business. And for one moment, I was like, yeah, I think I've got the clips I need. I think I shot one duck with one shot, you know, <laughs> I was like that. And sometimes that's all you need, you know, I mean, it's weird how, and I think a lot of guys can testify to this, but it's weird how fulfilling capturing something um, on video can be, you know, to where you almost feel like I don't really need to pull the trigger, you know. Um, you know, last year after filming a linguist, I mean, the linguist was my first time ever being uh ever elk hunting so that that really lit a fire in me to really learn more about elk and how to hunt them and call them in i mean i think the calling aspect on that whole i mean that's what the film was about right it was just honoring these guys that kind of ignited this uh just this style of hunting elk by calling them in and and uh that just it blew my mind and so the next season, um, last minute, I just bought an over-the-counter tag and went to Oregon and and hunted for seven days by myself or a couple of days with a friend that lived up there, but uh, for the most part, just got after it and that was cool. I mean, I was uh, there were no bears there, so that was that was nice. There were wolves, but uh, yeah, uh, but it was. I mean that that was probably one of the few trips I've taken in a while where I've just kind of got after it myself. Um, I'll always bring my gun, you know, just, just in case it's, you know, we feel like we've accomplished what we do, but, um, but yeah, so, it's, I don't know. It's So the it's way you said that, you said, uh, you always bring your gun. So that implies that uh, the camera is the first thing and the guns, the afterthought, right? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of how it goes. I mean, I, I like last season, I think I slipped away and did like about three local hunts. You know, um, and when I say local, that's like a couple hours away from where I live and um, kind of just some public refuges that um, it's called over in the, uh, they call it the valley. And uh, um, yeah, and we, and uh, thankfully, uh, every hunt we did, we had, we had good success and had a lot of fun and killed some birds. So um, yeah, so last season, you know, you really got to, you know, it's, it's funny mm -hmm. the you got, I don't know. You got to just really determine, I think going into it, if you're on the fence, 50, 50, something's going to like suffer, you know, you're either not going to get the footage you need or, or you're not going to feel like you had much of a hunt, you know? So I kind of go into the project saying, you know, what's my, what's my goal? Am I here to like really just bear down and capture the footage I feel like I need for a film or, um, or am I here to just for myself and I want to hunt a little bit and even film a little bit for myself, you know, I feel, like I said, I, sometimes that's, that's just as fun for me to take someone that maybe hasn't hunted a lot. Um, you know, I got to take a friend last year who's hunted like maybe once or twice before, but nothing real serious. 
and he got to shoot a bunch of ducks, you know, and that was, that was pretty rewarding to get to just let someone else get after it, you know, um, and, uh, shoot, shoot a little photos just for fun. So, yeah. Uh, now being from anyway. Kansas myself, when you were in Kansas, were you guys on private or you don't have to tell exactly where you were, but private or yeah. public? Oh, we were on uh, a little bit of both, actually. Uh, a little bit of private, a little bit of public, as far as I understand. Um, a few different areas, but um, yeah, but nice. Yeah, yeah, good, Kansas good times. Good opportunities. Yeah, man. I mean, we we had a uh, we had a heck of a time. I mean, we did some some field hunting and some for some geese. I mean, gosh dang, there was just the amount of geese, ducks and geese out there. It's pretty overwhelming. I mean. Uh, and it seems like there's just a lot more land and opportunity to get after it out there than out here. Everything's so tied up, you know, private. What and, time of the uh, year were you guys in Kansas? What month? Uh, when was that? Was it January? Yeah. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's really get full, full in January for sure. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, uh, lesser, lesser geese and, uh, snow. I don't know. We didn't shoot any snow. It's all lessers. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was awesome. Cool. Uh, yeah but i love it good times awesome so kind of bring it back to your film your films and duck hunting yeah, kind of like yeah. uh what what is your what would you say um what is your goal when you're going out to shoot a duck hunting film like what are you trying to like you know Ooh. tell like what are you trying to tell in your story or you know yeah. what's, what's the thing that makes you tick on these films you know okay yeah um yeah i think that's a good question. I mean, my goal is, is always asking, you know, I guess, you know, obviously this just sounds super generic, but just what's the story, you know? Um, at this point, you know, like I said, like years ago, you could go on like uh, Facebook or Instagram and see a bunch of someone holding up a string of ducks and be like, wow, where did he go? And now I just feel like a lot of the, the media that gets out there kind of has ruined us, you know, to an extent where we, become kind of numb to what something is a really beautiful photo or that kind of thing but nowadays the stuff that catches me is when I when you get to like either see a photo and say man there's a story behind that person or you're learning something new about an area um you know I think yeah it's it's uh the, my big goal is, yeah, like I, I want to tell stories that are unique. I mean, getting us to tell stuff like the linguist and Dr. Duck. Um, I'm going to walk and try to find my son, make sure he's not going <laughs> to leave Probably me here. Right. But um, yeah, um, you know, stuff that, you know, getting to, getting to places that people just don't usually go. I mean, I get, I get stoked on that. Um, you know, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, there's, and sometimes I guess too, you know, I go in with a plan. Uh, sometimes a script and you're able to like um, say you know here's my story but then you learn something new and you're you're able to say and there's there's maybe a different story here that we didn't quite see at the beginning it being flexible um, that's been something I've definitely learned over the years of just learning to I don't know keep my eyes open you know as a filmmaker and you become more of a you know not just a filmmaker but a journalist of saying you know maybe there's something uh a bigger story here than i than i first imagined um you know and so that was a little bit of a linguist i think you know even you know to telling films like dr duck and you know back in the day that's i went into it just saying i want to make a duck hunting film and came out like 
saying, you know, I don't know, just learning more about the people that hunt the timber and their passion. And, um, you know, that was inspiring. Uh, it looks like the little man made it. So good to hear <laughs> He's good to go. Yeah. Awesome. Right he, he came back. So that's good. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, I don't know that. I don't know if that's a crappy answer, but you know, it's, you, it's just hard to pinpoint exactly. There's not like a really a formula that I, that I go off of. It's, it's more saying like, you know, what do I think is the strongest thing in this story? And I really hone in on that, but at the same time, kind of keeping your eyes open and saying, what else might be here to inspire the audience, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, I'm not like against, uh, I, I, I capture the kill shots and I love, I mean, it's part of hunting, but I'm not that bummed if like, you know, I've been on hunts where guys are like, oh man, so I'm so sorry we didn't kill that many birds or this or that. And I'm like, I, I could care less, you know, like we don't kill anything. That's fine with me. It's like for me that it's getting to, to create these portraits of people or places is that's special because you're, you're getting to preserve something, you know, a moment in time and that people will remember, like you guys have seen some of my work, you know, you're going to think back and remember these people and these faces, they're going to stick in a way. So being, being able to be the one to help like kind of create those, those, um, you know, memories, you know, for other people and create, help really do justice to people's stories is pretty rewarding, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. As, as I was watching more of your content, which I was familiar with your, with your content before I knew we were going to have you on, but then yeah. as I knew I was going to be talking to you, I just wanted to watch more things. And that's when I saw, yeah. yeah. And also, I didn't realize that you had done a collaboration with Slade Northwest. And, yeah, back um, in the day, huh? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, he is, I've loved his videos for quite a while. Uh, cool. Love, wish he did more than he did. Um, but <laughs> the question I had is, have you guys kind of, were you friends before the collaboration? Or have you, is that how you met? And have you uh, forged yeah. a friendship since? Yeah, yeah. No, that's how, that's kind of how we met. I mean, um, I, you know, I think, Back in the day, you know, like looking to see like what was out there. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of people really pushing the envelope, you know, doing it different than what I think the typical, um, you know, TV industry has has done with hunts. There seems to be kind of a formula with those kind of shows that a lot of people like, and that that's cool. Um, but those guys up in in uh, Washington, outside of Seattle, you know, they were, I don't know, I was attracted to the style and the music and you know, it was, uh, it was just something different, you know, and it was their, it was obviously their own thing. And, um, even that place is like, you know, the Pacific Northwest, whole different thing than, uh, hunting in the South or even hunting where we are. And, um, and so I just reached out and was like, gosh, I love your films. Like, and, um, it'd be awesome to meet one day, you know, and, and try to do something. And so, you know, I just put myself out there. And, and, uh, so then I think what happened, it was several years ago that there uh who's now a really good friend of mine this guy mather who is their um producer and you know filmmaker he actually writes all their music as well he i mean he's an incredibly talented guy he writes and music? yeah yeah that's all his original all the tracks are his original oh my goodness um, yeah yeah i mean it and that resonates their music defined their videos almost i think yeah yeah i mean it's 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 totally yeah and and it's kind of the same same vibe with with uh with our films you know uh, my my business partner actually writes all the music for for our work as well and so there was a, a real uh a real um you know affinity i think right there where we both got to 
you know, just, just appreciating each other's hard work and creating films that were different. And, uh, and uh, yeah, this guy's carrying me along now. Anyway. <laughs> Would you agree that, you're, that your style matches up pretty somewhat similarly to, to Slate? Are there subtle differences? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, we, we, uh, we totally match up. I mean, I think that that's what kind of drew us to like reach out to each other and say what's <laughs> up. And, and, uh, you know, I think they're, they got, they're a little different, you know, and I think Mather, uh, who does the films, he has a real good taste for uh, documentary style editing, like really letting scenes breathe and really letting moments like sink in you know, where I think sometimes I, I kind of maybe lean a little bit more to the cinematic, um, you know, that's just kind of where I, I find myself naturally going. It's like creating like a real cinematic looking thing. You know, that both are good. I think the, the sacrifice and somewhere the way I kind of tend to uh, gravitate toward is sometimes you can, it can come across inauthentic, you know, it can come across like kind of contrived, like you're just setting up a beautiful scene you know, um, and, but sometimes the, you know, with documentary style, it's like guys can kind of get, maybe some people get bored and say, Oh, what, what's next. And we're so used to things happening so fast, you know? Um, but honestly, like I really dig that slowing things down, bringing in more audio, you know, I, that was, you know, when I was, uh, cutting the linguist, you know, doing that edit, that was a big goal is turning that into more of like, just really bringing people into the moments of the hunt versus everything being picture perfect, perfect light, perfect color. You know what I mean? It perfect slow motion. Um, and I think hunters, especially guys that, you know, we'd love to see beautiful, gorgeous, slow motion water. That's always epic. We love to see ducks just, you know, giving up and, uh, you know, perfect come to timber and slow-mo. That's great. But, um, I think we can appreciate the downtime, you know, when it quiets, when it slows down and it's harder and you're waiting. And I think I really love how Mather does that with Slade. He really lets the reality of those, of the hunts like set in, you know, and for the viewer. And so his films are a little longer than mine. Um, Cal, sorry, come here. <laughs> um, I think my wife, my wife texts me and she's uh, very sorry. So, well, you've been doing great. That's yeah. not a problem at all. Uh, I yeah. like seeing all the. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're doing seeing... an awesome dual job here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that, you know, we got that. Mather had another shoot or something back in the day, several years ago. And he was like, hey, do you think you could cover for me on this deal? And I was like, yeah, man, that'd be awesome. And I got to meet Alex, uh, who was kind of their, uh, one of the main guys, and Riley and um just awesome dudes man i mean they just they're they're simple guys that just love to hunt ducks you know and they don't take themselves too seriously they don't you know i just there was a lot of affinity you know in that way we're just just guys that love it you know and and uh at the same time we love capturing it and doing it justice you know um i think that's a slogan or something i've I've thrown on my website in a while back it's just doing creative justice you know to the outdoors is something I'm really passionate about, you know, it's like, not to, uh, I don't want to just sound like a jerk and just point fingers at the way other people have done it. But I just think there's, there's more, not that, not that the, maybe the TV industry or the, anything that preceded, you know, what's happening now 
um, was wrong or the wrong way to do it. But I just think there's always more you can do, you know? There's, you can always push the envelope that much more. And I think it even, even from what, you know, what Slate has done, what maybe I've done, um, I'm excited to see what, you know, this, even the next generation is going to continue to do to inspire me and put, you know, help me like get out of my box, you know? So, um, yeah, that's an yeah. awesome way of putting it though. I, I love the way you put that doing the outdoors justice with your films and they yeah. definitely do. I, I can see exactly what you're saying. And, and, uh, yeah, I can definitely say your films do do the outdoors justice. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. We, uh, you know, we love what we do. And so it's, uh, I think that's where this got to happen first. Uh, you got to really, you got to love it. If, it, if it's, if there's a reason, like there's a lot of stupid reasons, you know, money's a stupid reason. Um, fame is a stupid reason. Um, I don't know. Uh, there's probably a lot more stupid reasons to do this kind of stuff. But I think if guys start out and end with, I'm doing this because, because I'm passionate about it and I want to share my, my, you know, take on the outdoors, uh, with others, then, um, awesome. I want to see that film, you know, I want to see those photos cause I know it's has more connected to it than just, um, you know, something that it's just temporary, you know? Um, so yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, but absolutely. My wife just got here. So I'm relieved of babysitting. <laughs> You've done an awesome job. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't believe how you've managed that. That <laughs> is a well-behaved little boy. Yeah I, yeah, I don't know either, but thanks for bearing with my uh, shaky view. You know, hopefully everyone's not seasick. <laughs> so uh, one, one more question kind of on this general topic. Do yeah. you feel like then in the last five, ten years, there's been a massive transition in how the outdoors is being filmed and kind of you and maybe Slade and on the professional side yeah. of it and some changes going on on YouTube and how the, the non-professionals are doing it as well as right. things are just shifting. Do you, do you agree with that? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I think, um, you know, you got a, you got a, a number of things contributing, you know, you got, um, technology is, is, uh, always excelling so fast, you know, there's so much, you can get into a pretty nice camera setup for a couple grand. You know, that's going to be comparable to, you know, some, some $50,000 cameras. I mean, it's crazy what you can, you can really accomplish with, with, with a low budget nowadays. Um, trying to think, you know, I think too, just the, the, the amount of information that can be shared. Um, I mean, you could learn literally whatever you want to learn by just Googling. Um, yeah. You can learn how to edit. You can learn how to do effects. You can learn how to after effects. It, it's gnarly. I mean, how much is out there and, you know, man, and that's been that way for a while, but I think a lot of guys are realizing, you know, that, um, you know, they see something and I mean, really, that's how I started. I saw some stuff that was being done. I mean, some of the early films that I remember when, um, CCAT creative did searching for West. So I was like, wow, they did, they did something different there, you know, that hasn't really been done. I don't know if you guys seen that one from a while back with Sitka, but it was just, you know, a really beautiful film that pushed the envelope, you know, and did something that, that hasn't really been done yet. Um, and that, that sparked something in me to think about like, huh, what can, what can I bring to the table, you know? Um, and so I think a lot of, a lot of guys and gals are in that boat right now saying, you know, 
what what do I have to offer? You know, what, you know, because everyone's unique. Everyone sees sees the, the outdoors and uh, in their own way, you know, and that's what's cool. You know, we can't, you know, you can't merely, you know, mimic any, you know, you can mimic people only for a little while, but eventually you're going to be forced to say, you know, what do I love about this? You know, what's really, what's really uh, drawing me to this place? So, yeah. Um, so yeah, man, it's exciting time. I think it's cool. It's a cool time to be doing this and, and hopefully I got a lot more years ahead of me, you know, telling these stories and, and being a part of the, you know, filmmaking process, but yeah, we'll see. Awesome. Yeah. All right. I think right now is a, a good time to jump to the, the lightning round. What do you, you got something else to add before we do that, Elliot? No, I think the, li- the lightning room, Uh-oh. the lightning <laughs> round. Yep. <laughs> so okay. it's a right quick, quick questions, quick answers. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, what gun do you shoot? Uh, I, I kind of split my season between, uh, shooting my, my, uh, SBE one. And also I have a, a year ago, I purchased a, a 400. So, uh, I know that's two very different guns, but I really love them both. You know, they're both, uh, yeah. But you want awesome. me to pick one? Uh, no, that's <laughs> fine. That's a fine answer. Okay. If you split them, then you're right on. Uh, yeah. what ammo do you use? Uh, you know, I shoot a fair amount of heavy shot. Um, and if I run out, I feel like I end up shooting Kent. And so, yeah. Uh, what drastic ends what? of the spectrum there. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. Uh, maybe the, maybe part of that depends on where my bank account's at. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, what shot size do you use? Um, well, that all depends on what I'm trying to kill. Um, yeah, you know, I think predominantly I, shoot, I try to shoot B. Um, I like, you know, when, when it's real windy, I think like shooting a little bit heavier shot, it has a better kill range, you know, maybe you have a few less pellets, but, um, and two, I shoot an extra full, um, Jeb's choke. And I, I really love that. It's just, I feel like I've had a lot more kills and less cripples, you know, in the last, you know, few years shooting. That. Yeah. Uh, what do you shoot three or three and a half inch shells? I shoot three and a half. I mean, I, I don't, yeah, why not? <laughs> you know, it's like yep. you do so much work to get to that point of, you know, have an opportunity to pull trigger. Uh, I would prefer everything I, I can throw at that bird, you know? Uh, so that's just, you know, I, I used to work for a rancher way back in the day. And, uh, and it, anyway, he said something to me uh, and he's hunted all over. And anyway, mo- it's more with like rifles. And he's, he told me there was no such thing as heavy shot or uh, overkill. And, uh, that's kind of stuck with me, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's, our goal is to kill and to harvest an animal, however you want to say it. And so, um, yeah. So, so I, when I you just shoot a duck at 15 yards with extra full uh-huh. and three and a halves, do you ever, yeah. I mean, does it ever just completely obliterate them? Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to lie that I haven't done that before, but it's I think it, it at two, also you, you don't shoot you know if they're right in your face you're not gonna if you know what you're shooting you just shoot them in the head or if you can uh or or just give them a give them a few more seconds to get out there before you just straight up destroy the meat you know um you know i think i think more of that may have happened as a junior hunter and a younger hunter and just being stupid and uh and nervous and excited in the moment and just making a pillow in the sky uh but um (laughs) 
you know, as you, you know, it's wait a little bit and, um, yeah, but it's fun being able to reach out a little bit too and, and take those shots that maybe you can't take with a, you know, a smaller shell or, or, a, you know, a more open choke. So, okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, face paint or wow. Face paint or no <laughs> face paint. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm a fan of face paint. I mean, I feel like my face is shining when I'm, when I'm out hunting, uh, especially in public land and you're looking across, you know, sometimes two, 300 yards out. Sometimes like I won't see the hunter, but I will see a glowing ball of light that's reflecting <laughs> off someone's face. Yep. So to me, it, to me, it's like, I would rather wear face paint than have it wear a mask, you know, cause I sweat a lot. If I'm chasing a cripple, I'm sweat. I don't, I don't want anything else on my face. I mean, stash is enough. And, uh, and so it's, it's like, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll paint up. I have no, no shame in that. It's, um, you know, I don't do any cute designs like some of the stuff I see out there, but, um, I do a pretty crappy face paint job, but I just don't want to be glowing, you know, when I'm looking and I can't help myself sometimes that I keep my head down. I try to look at the reflection on the water and see those birds working, but I, I just can't do that. Uh, <laughs> I, got, I gotta, yeah, I gotta see them a little bit. And then when you're calling, you know, knowing, you know, when to call at certain points and what kind of calls, um, you got to be able to watch the birds a little bit. And so, um, you know, I, I, I paint up my dome all I can, but, uh, yeah. Cloudy day or sunny day? Ooh. Um, that's a good question. I would say, uh, so where, where we hunt sunny days, unless it's really cold and really windy, sunny days are pretty much a bust. Um, that's just kind of how it is on the, on the West coast here. Um, you know, we being in California, especially central California here, we don't get a whole lot of really cold days. And I, it was interesting. It kind of blew my mind the times I went in the, into the timber and was learning about that hunting. Guys were like, we want it clear and we want it sunny. Because there was a morning, I think we woke up and it was just dumping rain and it's windy. And I was like, hell yeah, this is going to be a hunt. And we were hunting timber. And guys were like, we ought to, it's not even worth going out. I was like, are you guys crazy? I was <laughs> like, we should be out there hunting, you know, cause where we, where we live here. I mean, that, those are the days that you really smash them. Um, and so I think just growing up, uh, I'd pick a cloudy day with some wind with, if possible. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think that, that wraps up the lightning round. You got any to add, right Elliot? <laughs> well, I was just going to add to the sunny cloudy thing because this is yeah. something that's always interesting to me. So I had a website developed where you can get on and, and log all of your stats and one of the one of the things that you keep is weather so okay we're just kind of in still in the development phase of it but we've had somewhere around a thousand hunts logged and right now the sunny for the thousand hunts has been better than the cloudy but it's only like 0.2 tenths of a percent it's very, oh. very the by far the biggest determinant has been the wind if you wow. look, okay yeah if you look on like no wind versus a lot of wind I mean, you go from like three and a half ducks a hunt to two ducks a hunt. It's just a massive difference. But anyway, I think it's super interesting because some people like you will say cloudy. Because when I grew up, it was always just like you said, you know, if you say a ducky day, you're talking low clouds, windy, rainy. And that's what I right. want. Right. But then the last yep. 10 years, there's been this big transition of everyone saying, no, sunny, 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 sunny. Yeah, and people are saying it so much to the point I've been like, okay, this is a little bit of a fad that people are starting to mimic and say, <laughs> kind of like, 
you know, politics, you know, one group says something, yeah. you have the same people saying the exact same line. Uh -huh. So I cannot wait for this season to get more hunts logged on this site so I can continue uh, to see actual yeah. data behind it, you know. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Truth, because it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've always, I feel like the, the, the best hunts I can remember are always windy, maybe a little bit of rain. You know, um, but seeing that chop on the water, ducks fighting that wind. I mean, that's to me, that's the best. That's yeah, the best scenario. My personal yeah. stats are something like, um, not quite a full duck better, but about three fourths a duck better per hunt on cloudy days. It's, yeah, that's like two hundred and fifty three hunts I've got logged for myself. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. I know for me personally, even people in Kansas say sunny, but for me personally, it doesn't show. For my yeah, stats. huh. And yeah, it's maybe not quite statistically significant, but it's something. Yeah, maybe you're just yeah, a, I mean, a worse shot, Elliot, on sunny days. No, because my shooting <laughs> percentage is pretty true on both. <laughs> yeah, the sunny days are fun for photography. I mean, it really lights up all those colors up. I mean, that's that's always fun. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and, uh, I'll take the wind any day, you know. So yeah. Good All right, if you guys, that, 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 I wanted to say one one thing I was gonna share. I don't know why I was so important that I shared this, but um, so you were talking about harsh conditions, and yeah. as we start intaking other people's content and seeing them as a person, you naturally just kind of, I mean, we all naturally judge other people, not in like a way mm -hmm. of, of in a negative sense, but you know, as you see other people in their videos, you're just kind of like, oh, is this the kind of person that I would want to hunt with or not? You're you're just thinking that in your subconscious whether you're actually really thinking about it or not and i i was right. seeing some of your videos and and um i watched uh, the first time i actually saw you was on a podcast with the average waterfowlers which they're not oh doing. yeah they're not doing it anymore and then okay I watched a couple others and you were talking about harsh weather conditions in this podcast uh -huh. right? and i had never ever heard anyone articulate it like this i think that oh, you know, okay. your vast majority of duck hunters when it gets really rainy or really crappy they they will stay at home but then there's mm -hmm. a group, and I could tell from what you said that you're in this group, and I'm certainly in the group, <laughs> that is the harsher the conditions, the more that you're having fun. Yeah. And you went yeah. into this whole rant on this podcast because you were trying to yeah. film in the rain or something. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, I, I know you exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. You were explaining it to where I could tell that you had that love of the harsh conditions that mm -hmm. I've never been able to articulate. But I like my favorite days were the hard rain days. Yep. And you articulated yeah. in that so well. You said that. That's when I was like, okay, all right, this guy. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's like, the, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe we're just like the, the dumb ones, but, uh, <laughs> you know, everyone else is smart, staying home, staying warm. I mean, but there's just something about, I think, in us that we love. All hunters have this, you know, like we, we love to suffer, you know, yeah. and there's something about suffering and pushing your body and your mind and your equipment to a point that is not necessarily natural. Like where I live here in San Luis Obispo, like there's a small little club of us that hunt, you know, and, um, and I would say hunting is, is not like looked down upon in this area, but there's not a lot of people hunt. And a lot of my friends, you know, they love eating, eating the meat that I, that I bring out of the field and I'll tell them about, you know, where I got it or, the hunt a little bit and they just they they don't get it they're like why would you get up at two in the morning 
and go out, like literally chase a storm, you know, and <laughs> yeah. try try to get in the middle of that storm. Um, you know, it, does, it doesn't make sense. And and then it makes you think, maybe I am crazy, you know, and uh, <laughs> and but there's just something in us that like lo- as hunters, we like love to push everything, you know, to the point where it is this possible. And I think that's where you get that's where I say, like, I don't really care if it like that hunt I think I was talking about was in Idaho on the Snake River. And it was just the temperatures dropped real fast. It was um, it might have been that one or it might have been a Montana following up on that, that film we did called Duck Trip. And yeah. uh, and we yeah, the, the temperature and the weather progressively got worse and worse and worse where in Montana, and we ended up hunting the coldest day I've ever hunted in my life. It was negative uh, 26, and our phone said feels like negative 44 because there was wind. <laughs> so it was just unbelievable cold. I mean, my my cameras were shutting down randomly, and it was just so <laughs> it was ridiculous. And uh, that that was maybe maybe a little bit foolish, but um, I think when the hunting on the Snake River, there was something about like this bombing, you know snow in our face and the water and the dog and just everyone's fighting it together and there's this camaraderie that you build you know in that moment or like we came out of there with maybe five or six ducks out of four guys so i mean you could say it was a poor hunt but i think it was a freaking awesome hunt like i had a ball i mean um seeing those ducks commit in weather like that you know on this because they're trying to get out of the weather too coming off these uh ponds and fields that from feeding and landing in this in this real river where it was kind of sheltered and you know we were set up to, to get them coming into their resting spot and the yeah i mean anyway just to i don't know i love it i love getting pushing all of it you know not just the hunting but the equipment like can we tell a story in these kind of conditions you know yeah. and um my favorite footage that i re- can remember is always the brutal where you know, either you, you had to suffer a little bit in order to bring that clip back and give it to the world. You know, there's a little bit more of a, uh, I guess it feels a little more rewarding to present that, you know, to the masses to enjoy. Yeah. Uh, Cause you, you, you almost feel like you suffered for them too, you know, to, cause they love it. They're, they're passionate about it. They enjoy the, the content. And I think it's that much more rewarding versus, you know, you walk on to somewhere that's just a little more cush or a little more easy. You're not, you're just not as invested, you know, in the hunt as you might be on a, another one. Now, don't get me wrong. Like I love going on when I get invited to a club or some private spots, like I'm always like, yeah, I'll be there. I love it. Cause I like to kill ducks. You know, I'm not like, I, I don't want to discriminate killing ducks in private land or public land. It's all good to me. Um, but I think the hunts that, maybe i remember more are the ones that were maybe public and a little harder and a little bit you go a little farther you know to make it all happen don't you Um, think during those harsh weather hunts that there's a there's a sense of feeling more alive yeah like yeah 100 middle middle of it it just there's a feeling i think that it's something that's coded down in us Mm -hmm. it's the adventure that we lack in the modern society and just that feeling of even if there's a little hint of danger, it even makes it feel a little better, more a lot more fun. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, you're just, yeah, you're just more, you're just more invested in every every part of that hunt. You know, you put yourself there on your own choice, and um, yeah, you kind of realize those are the moments you're like, this is what duck hunting's about. 
yeah. you know, this is why I do this. Like, cause I'm pursuing the extreme, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. pursuing something that, uh, 99.9% of the population will never, ever do. Like, I think that that's the thing that has popped into my head when I'm in these places that are just wild. And, um, I'm like, no one does this, you know, at least where I live. And, uh, and then when you meet another duck hunter, you know, you have this immediate like connection. You're like, we're, but we're friends. Cause we both, <laughs> we both suffered a little bit in, in a way together and we are, and, and, and we loved it, you know, okay. and, uh, and that's what makes us crazy. Uh, yeah. but yeah, yeah. So okay. It's good. Good stuff. Uh, awesome. All right. I think let's yeah. jump to some questions. We, we got some in here already, so we'll jump to those. But if you guys have more questions, go ahead and drop them in the chat. Um, cool. somewhere in Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, he did answer that at the beginning. I think it's somewhere around like between 20 and 25. Um, and then somewhere in West Wisconsin asks, um, when you go out on a shoot, do you have a, a shot list? And, um, also he said, when you film, do you just film and let the, the story come out or come to life in the editing or, or what's your process on that? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think I'll have more of, um, it just depends on the film, you know, if we're, we're looking to make something that is um, more of a product piece, then we'll have very much have a, a shot list for that. You know, if we're trying to show off certain features or, you know, sometimes you have these shots that you kind of create in your head that are, you know, very hard, hard to accomplish. You know, you have these like uh, imaginary shots of like this perfect moment of, and if we can capture a duck doing this or a dog doing this, you kind of go into the hunt with a goal, I think. Like here are some impossible shots that we've never accomplished and we've never seen anyone else do, but let's see if we can do it. And and maybe majority of the time we don't really bring it all the way to the level of our imagination, but we'll meet somewhere in the middle of just trying something and it kind of will bring out something, some unique footage, you know, usually that, you know, that we didn't first, um, you know, haven't done before. So, so there's that. Um, I think, you know, a lot of times if I have a story I'm telling, I like to to at least have a bullet point of like here are the here are the main things of this character that I'm telling a story about, or an area that I think are important and unique to why this film should be watched. You know, and so knowing those things going into the film will allow uh, you to like kind of think ahead. Like I need footage to describe this this one thing. Um, and, and yeah, so I, yeah, I don't necessarily have like a shot by shot list unless it's a product piece, but, um, more so, um, I'm going to walk in my house and plug in my phone cause it's going to die. Um, <laughs> so excuse my transitioning shot here, but, um, yeah, I want to keep, uh, you know, really just, um, more of a bullet point. I think of like, here are the big, the big picture goals. I like to leave room, you know, I don't want to get too boxed in and say like, these are the the only pieces to, um, that I'm going to film. Cause that when I, when I feel like I do that, it gets, uh, I don't know. I, I just don't like putting a box around myself with the filmmaking because being a creative, you know, you're just, you're always like trying to learn and something about the scenario, the place you're in or the people you're filming. And so you stay open keep your eyes open, your ears open and, I think the biggest thing lately I've been learning with 
you know, different stories and is trying to get better at filming the audio, you know, capturing really good audio of uh, the people that I'm, that I'm filming. So, yeah. Awesome. And then uh, JM asks, uh, what kind of cameras do you use and how much? Um, like, like how much? Okay. Uh, like how uh, much cameras or how many cameras, <laughs> how many different cameras maybe? Uh, um, maybe how I'll, often you use each? I don't know. I don't know exactly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No problem. Uh, so we have, we use quite a bit of, a little bit of everything. Um, I mean, our, our, I think our, our flagship camera is a red Epic W. So, uh, you know, we, we, uh, bit the bullet and, uh, invested in one of those with, with the business. Um, but that, yeah, so that, I mean, that's our, that's our, you know, our, our most beautiful picture that we get. It's 8k, you know, um, it, yeah, I don't know. Love, love that camera. I know that's not the most accessible camera for the average, you know, filmmaker. Um, but yeah, I mean, but we are shooting also like a C300 Mark II. Uh, sometimes we'll run an Odyssey, you know, set up on that to kind of get some better ProRes um, out of that camera. Um, you know, even a 5D Mark IV. I mean, I've always, if I'm in a tight scenario and all of a sudden something's happening and I need a camera that's to be able to turn on um, right away and capture some moment, I'll have a 5D Mark IV near me um, to, to, to grab, you know, grab a shot here and there. Uh, and it's funny sometimes you look at the footage you're like man it looks pretty freaking good <laughs> sitting next to my 8k red you know and uh, mm-hmm. uh footage but you know it's yeah that's just how it goes sometimes but so um, those reds are like in a different category right they're kind of like uh called cinema cameras is that right yeah so so yeah they're super 35 camera um they have the, the big thing that that makes a red camera um what it is i mean is the uh, dynamic range on that camera, the amount of detail it, it captures in the shadows of the shot. Uh, right now with my crappy iPhone, you know, you might, my hair might look almost black um, and my face is exposed. Well, uh, that's, you know, because it's the low dynamic range, the more dynamic range you have, uh, you'd be able to see all the detail in like the darker spots in the shadows of, a, of, a, of an image versus um, lower end cameras aren't able to um yeah capture that so uh yeah so i mean that's that's part of it with the the dynamic range also the global shutter on you know the red camera um it creates a, a shutter that isn't uh, jello-y or um has that dslr ish it's hard to describe but that dslr you know type look to it um but yeah, I mean, there's no shame, man, in shooting on a DSLR. I mean, you still get an epic, epic picture. Um, I think if a guy was out there right now, you know, watching this and asked, wondering like, what, what should I get? Um, I would, I mean, if you if you got a budget around two grand, uh, I would assume like you could get into, you know, Panasonic GH, uh, the GH5S looks pretty dang cool. I haven't shot on one myself yet, but um, that. Um, you know, that camera looks pretty impressive. I mean, I, like I said, the 5D Mark IV is, is a great camera. Um, man, we, we shot, if you, I don't know if you've seen uh, this one. Excuse my son, he's, he's getting a little whiny. Um, you know, if, I'm not sure if you've seen this film that we did called The Tendoys, you know, a few years ago. Um, that whole film was shot on a, um, 
uh, A7R2 and also uh, an FS700, Sony, both Sony cameras. Um, and I look back at that and I'm like, oh, look, the quality looks pretty good. You know, it's not like red footage, but it's still, it's still pretty solid. So um, yeah, anyway, so that's, those are two uh, other cameras. We have a little bit of everything, you know, that we work with, so awesome. yeah. And then a lot of lenses, um, a little bit of everything there, quite about every focal length, I think. <laughs> so, yeah. and then we have a couple questions on audio. Uh, Carl's asking if you uh, if you put the audio, or if you if you like to dub in audio, or better to insert audio during the hunt. And we have a similar question from uh, JM. Yeah. Um, how do you get the audio from the hunters in convos? Yeah. And yeah. And what? Yeah, that's pretty okay. Much yeah, I'll give you a few different pieces of equipment to look at. Um, there is a company called Apogee, and they make a mic that they kind of did a partnership thing with Sennheiser, and they made a uh, like a lapel mic, uh, a clip mic that you can clip on guys, and it actually runs off of, uh, an app off your iPhone or an iPod, um, and we've gotten some pretty freaking good audio off that thing, and then so if you go to Apogee's website, I think it's on B&H as well. Um, those those little clip mics are, are great. If you, all you got is your iPhone out there or something um, and you want to get some audio, you can toss that in the guy's pocket and let it roll. Um, you know, a, a real a common way a lot of people use is just getting a lapel set up um, that's going straight into a camera. So when you hit record, it's recording that, that audio uh, wirelessly. Um, usually, um, like with the linguist, we would do a combination of a lapel setup and a shotgun mic, you know, on the camera, um, that, that was a pretty good combo. Cause then I had like a mic wherever, you know, on, on a certain individual, but also capturing that, you know, ambient audio. And I think we, we've been rolling a, uh, uh, I can't, I'm, I'm really bad with it. If, if someone wants to email me that I'd be happy to, you know, give them a, you know, more detail on exactly what Sennheiser mic we're running, but, um, you know, that, so lapels, I mean, you can always go, like, you can get a, is it Rode, or H1, Zoom, Zoom H1, I mean, those are cheap, you can hook a little lapel mic on those, stick them in someone's jacket, and just let them roll, the only thing is you gotta, like, you're gonna have to scrub through a lot of raw audio at the end of it to match up and sync up, and that's one of the beauties of recording audio directly into your camera while you're filming it's just it's right there ready to roll um you just got to be a little bit more <laughs> conscious of that if you're looking to capture that raw audio in the field you know you just got to roll a little bit more you end up using a little bit more memory you know um you just kind of a lot of times you'll find yourself just rolling on a scene and not sure if anything's going to really be said or if anything's going to really happen but you know, you end up with a lot of clips like that where maybe they were just some dude, you know, whatever, spitting his dip and, you know, it's just went chilling, you know, and that's fine, you know. Sometimes that's great. I mean, I think there's, I think there's some classic duck, duck commander clips like that that are just, just timeless, you know. I don't know if you can remember those days, but uh, yeah, um, I don't know. I'm a big, big fan of uh, just raw, capturing raw audio in the field. I mean, it really just, it's amazing the power of just really capturing those sounds in, in a marsh or 
you know, breaking ice or whatever, you know, the boat hitting rocks or whatever it is, you know, um, that, that stuff is, can really, can really be powerful. But, uh, I think somebody was asking about, you know, either capturing the voiceover later or in the field. I mean, I, I like a little bit of combination of both, you know, I like to bring people in and out of, um, you know, feeling like they're there all of a sudden in that moment and then bringing them out going up to a thousand feet and kind of looking down on the scenario. Um, and obviously it all depends on what kind of film you're trying to make. If you're making a TV episode for a show. I mean, you're probably going to lean on more of in the field audio and a little bit less of like a studio recording kind of thing. And um, yeah, it all depends. And it does taste too. I mean, shoot. I mean, I'm, I'm one opinion, you know, it's like, there's a, uh, so many ways to do this, you know? Um, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I think yeah. I think that's about it for the question. So cool. El, you got anything to add? I don't. This has been great. It's been man. It's just been wonderful talking to you and hearing right your on. perspective and and getting to know you. Hopefully, we can have you back on at some point. You've been a yeah fantastic. Yeah, right we really yeah. we appreciate you coming on, man. It's been uh you know some great information, some great stories, and yeah, we uh, appreciate cool. you coming on. So can you uh. Let everyone yeah. know where they can find you on uh, social. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, if you want to see baby pictures of my son, Benjamin J. Potter on Instagram. <laughs> uh, otherwise, if you want to see everything else, that's maybe probably more what you want to see, the Kana Outdoors, the C-A-N-A, and Outdoors, um, you can, can find me on Instagram. I don't really do anything on Facebook, unfortunately. But, um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you can see we got we got a handful of films coming out this this fall for uh, a bunch of films for a bunch of films for Sika Gear. Uh, we got a, a really cool film coming out for Gunner Kennels um, and uh, Tangle Free. We got a film coming out for them. I mean, yeah, it's a lot of a lot of fun pieces in the works, all, all waterfowl pieces. So, um, awesome. yeah, so it's going to be good. We got we got some yeah ambitious plans for this this winter too so we'll see what happens you know see where all the when did you say that but... this video was coming out july uh yeah yeah it'll be out in july so so it's coming out soon and will that be on will that be on your website or the youtube channel yeah it, it'll be on um it'll i'll have it embedded on my site but it'll be hosted mainly at sick gear okay so cool. sick gear.com yeah right. and uh so um, I'm sure you guys will love it. It's uh, we got some captured some great moments, and uh, we're pretty pretty excited about this story. So uh, can't, wait. can't wait. Yeah. Awesome. We all yeah. be keeping an eye love, out for those. Love, <laughs> love to hear what you think. So it's always encouraging to, to hear, even if it's bad feedback. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm all ears. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that's all we got for tonight. You can uh, check out my stuff at Duck Gun Chronicles on YouTube. You can check out Elliot's stuff on freelance duck hunting on youtube and we'll see you guys next week thanks that's a wrap folks hope you guys enjoyed it and i'd like to thank all the loyal listeners for tuning in and supporting us on the podcast have a great fourth guys and we'll see you guys next time let's go